He had just, I think he was about 20, 23 years into pastoring at that point, uh, the church that he pastors there in India. And it was just one of those moments. I don't even know if you remember it, Pastor. You looked at me and you said, Pastor Mark, wait till you get into 20 years and beyond. He's, you just talked about how it just gets better. And I remember that. I thought, well, okay, man, that seems like a long time from now. Um, and uh, as the Holy Spirit would see fit in this month of our tw- this wasn't planned. I mean, Brother Jerry called me and said, Pastor Sam and Sister Manji are going to be in the States. Um, would, would you be available to have him? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yes. Whenever he can come, yes. And, um, and so it just worked out to be this uh, second Sunday in June. So this is the first Sunday of our next 20 years, brother. And, um, you know, I could, I could stand here for the next 30 minutes and not cover all that Pastor Sam and Sister Manju are, are doing in the world today. Um, and I still wouldn't cover it because I don't know it all. I don't understand it all, um, the, the scope of it. But in the first service, we played some excerpts from the first sermon last Sunday, Pastor Sam. And the Lord spoke prophetically that he was planting a seed that would put down roots, that would become a tree, and the branches would reach out into the world around us. And it's through, I didn't even know your name 20 years ago, but the Lord knew. And he knew that through Jerry O'Dell, we would be connected in kingdom work around the world. And so... Um, it is an absolute honor to have you and Sister Manju with us today. This is not their son, but he's like a son. This is Brother Joe. <laughs> Joe went to college in Chennai, uh, computer engineering school, I believe it was, and was a part of their church there. He lives in Atlanta now, but he was with us last time um, when the Chilled Rise were with us, and so it's great to have you uh, as well this morning, uh, Brother Joe. But Pastor Sam, come. Give him a warm welcome as he comes. Come and take your liberty, brother. Thank you, Jesus. Such a blessing. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Amen. Well, it's always a great joy for me to be with uh, Pastor Mark and uh, the Heritage Christian Center here at Hueytown, Alabama, all the way from India. Well, we can be so far apart in every way, but yet so one. It's amazing what Jesus does. He brings us together from every tongue, every nation, every tribe, from every kind of people God has chosen for himself, a group of people. And we belong to that group. We belong to that one family. So as I worship here this morning, this beautiful worship that went on and the songs that were sung, you know. Uh, I felt no different. It's like my church <laughs> that we have in India. Uh, I enjoyed and I felt God's presence and felt so good to be in God's presence Sunday, worshiping the Lord with God's people. We're brothers and sisters in Christ and it's such a joy to just see one another, you know. It's like uh, we belong to the same family. So when we see one another, we are happy. It is so wonderful to hear that you are celebrating the 20th year of your church. Um, just wait till 
another 10 years, another 20 years. I'm in my, I finished my 33rd year last month uh, in the same church as pastor. And uh, when you stay in one place and do a job there where God has called you and placed you, and when you determine to do it no matter what and stay put where God has called you, amazing things take place. Believe me, I am experiencing that. Uh, it doesn't happen very quickly sometimes. You know, I was disappointed in the first few years of my ministry that I thought here I am, you know, and I'm doing this great work, but nobody seems to care. And uh, the crowds are not gathering and uh, things are not happening the way I thought it should happen. So I was a little bit discouraged, and, uh, but I kept on doing it. You know, it's like a seed that you plant. When you plant a seed, some trees, when the, the, the bigger the tree, the longer it takes. <laughs> the more that God wants to do through you, the longer it takes to take root and to grow and to flourish and to prosper and to bear fruit. So in 33 years, I've seen God do amazing things through our ministry. I started basically with nothing, just, uh, you know, started from scratch in a, a little hut-like place in India, in the middle of a cemetery. You won't believe, literally, in the middle of a cemetery, in a vacant place, right in the middle of it, because I couldn't get a better place for cheaper. And uh, people told me that nobody will come to a cemetery to go to church. But today, people are trying to beat each other, trying to enter into the cemetery. The police have to come and, and direct the traffic in between our services. We have four services and uh, we have cars lined up as far as you can see, trying to enter into the cemetery to come to church. <laughs> people despise me, call me the cemetery man. <laughs> I told them uh, that uh, many churches are becoming like cemetery, but our cemetery is becoming like becoming a church. <laughs> See, God has called all of us to take people's lives that are dead and gone and rotting, to revive and to bring life and to raise it up, just like in the Ezekiel's prophecy, you know. Can these dry bones live? And God has kept us here in this world to speak life, to bring life to the dead ones. Yeah, the world is like a cemetery. People talk about being right in the middle of a cemetery, having a church. I tell them, you're living in a world that is a cemetery. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, you know, you were dead in your trespasses and your sins. So here in the whole world, you have a you have a whole world that is dead in sins and trespasses. But right in the middle of it, we are people of God who have life. And we speak life to those that are dead around us. And because we speak life and we bring light and we operate like the salt, I mean, people revive and flourish and begin to blossom because of what we do. So God has kept you here in Huey Town kept me there in Chennai. God has got great plan and great purpose. Amen.
let's this is sunday so i need to go into the word of god that's what i do every sunday uh, you know i hardly ever miss uh, being in our church i enjoy bringing the word of god to them let me take you to one uh, little passage and just expound on it a little bit today for our benefit you know every time i open the bible i believe it benefits me it's very profitable it is not uh, something that i go into religiously it is something i go into looking to get something i am looking to get something from god that will benefit me enrich me upbuild me and make me successful in some area of my life so please turn with me to psalm 37 please psalm 37 a very well known verse for those of you who been in the christian church for some time a very loved verse verse 4 and 5 i'm going to read psalm 37 verse 4 and 5 delight thyself also in the lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart commit thy way unto the lord trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass i want to speak this morning about how god comes into our lives he's a living god you see it's different i tell the indian people who are used to worshiping idols they go into a temple the idol is there and you do something to the idol you light up a candle you do this and that and, and you decorate the idol and you pour milk over the idol and you do all kinds of things to the idol the idol is just sitting there doesn't even know it's just a stone doesn't respond to you you it's not a relationship you see christianity is not like that in christianity we are in a relationship with the living god therefore it is a two way interaction it's not that we just come and worship him and go home and he's sitting here like an idol he is a person and we are persons so as persons we relate to another person and more than that we are made in his image and in his likeness therefore we are very much alike in many ways and we can relate to him he can relate to us he understands us and we understand him we can know him so christianity is a different kind of thing it's not like the other religions where you do this and that and you do something to your god but your god has no capacity to respond to you because the god is not living we have a living god so when this god comes into your life your life is changed and affected permanently and constantly is working in your life so if you look at this verse it says delight yourself also in the lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart now the verse before that says trust in the lord and do good so shall thou dwell in the land and verily thou shall be fed so it is starting with trusting in the lord but then it goes beyond trusting to delighting in the lord right how many of you have trusted in the lord for your salvation for the forgiveness of sin to receive eternal life we are all trusted in god that's one level but once you trust in him for your salvation and come to him then you begin to delight in him that means you begin to enjoy him the westminster catechism which the protestant church follows wonderful statement of doctrine that they formulated you know many years ago which we all kind of adhere to as protestant church says that the primary purpose of man is to enjoy god 
God made man to enjoy him. It's to enjoy him. How many of you are enjoying God? That's what delighting yourself in the Lord means. You're enjoying God. So when you delight in the Lord, here it says, he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, for many years, as I was growing up, this, the, we were a Bible reading family. My father was a preacher. Every day we had family prayer. We used to read four chapters every day and uh, pray and uh, do all these things. So I've gone through the Bible several times, even before I went to the Bible college, you know. And uh, I've always thought about this verse as a wonderful verse. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. And everything that I understood from this verse is this. I thought this verse meant that if I delighted in the Lord, if I enjoyed God, if I lived very closely with God, intimately with God, and enjoyed God and his presence and worshipped him, went to church, prayed and carried on a relationship with him, then he will give me the desires of my heart, which meant to me that whatever I desire, he'll give me. That is the way I understood it, and I didn't think there was anything wrong to it. So I understood it that way. Many years later, after I went to Bible college and so on and started doing ministry, I started looking into Bible more seriously. Now I'm really studying the Bible. I want to really know what it is, and I want to dig it out and understand what it says. I thought about this. In India, there are, India is a land of religions, very, very religious people. You see, in India, it's very easy to preach because in America, for example, or in Europe, worse in Europe, you know, in Europe, if you go and talk, start talking about sin, people will think that you have fallen off the moon or somewhere, you know, because they don't believe that there is such a thing that, as sin that exists. You know, they have completely gotten rid of the idea of sin. There is no sin. If somebody murdered somebody, that's only a crime. You don't need God for that. You just need police, you know. And then they, you know, went further and they said, if somebody commits murder, you don't really need even police. You need the hospital because he's sick. Something is happening mentally to him. They don't recognize sin at all. If you say that murderous spirit is from the devil, the original murderer, and he's a liar and a murderer, and that is why... This guy, because the devil in his life is in his life. The devil is the lord of his life. That's why he's done this. Sin is the thing that causes these things. People look at you like, you know, you lost your mind. It's very difficult. I've preached in Europe, and it is very difficult to get across to people. Even to start preaching about sin is very difficult. Because they don't believe in, a, in the concept of sin. They believe in hospitals, doctors, police, and so on. But no sin. You don't need God. Why do you need God? When you talk about sin, then you need God because you need forgiveness, you need cleansing, you need new creation, you need to be born again. See, we are talking about things like that. So, you know, a, to preach in India is very easy because it's a religious country. Everybody believes in religion. Everybody believes in sin. You don't even have to explain sin. They know they are sinners. Very convenient, you know. That's why I love preaching in India. Everybody there knows they're sinners. They're going to every holy river, holy mountain, climbing every place, rolling down the places, beating themselves. They stand before their idols and beat themselves on the cheek, you know. They go like this, beat themselves on the cheek. 
Some of them take a whip and whip themselves until they are black and blue. Some of them take needles and pierce themselves until the needle comes out of this side. Torture themselves because they realize that they are sinners in the, in the presence of God. That they need forgiveness and they want to say, I'm sorry. And the way they're sorry is to stand there and literally beat themselves, you know. What a convenient place to preach. That's why I love to preach in India, you know. And I stand before them and I say, he was wounded for our iniquities. He was bruised. Uh, he was wounded for our sins. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. I say to them, don't beat yourself. God took Jesus, his own son, and put him on the cross and beat him and killed him there as a sacrifice for your sins and my sins so that we can go free. Don't you beat yourself. Look up to God and receive your forgiveness. It's already made ready and available. So I'm talking to a very, very religious people. They are saying, basically, their religion, there are many religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, and all these things are there in India. It's a birthplace. Even Buddhism was born in India. So it's a very religious place. They, all these religions say, hey, you believe in our God. You come to our temple, you come to our mountain, you come to our great place of worship. This is a great famous place. You don't have a child, my God will give you a child. You worship this God, you bring an offering to this God, my God will heal you, you know. So people make uh, gold jewelry like the stomach, if they had cancer in the stomach or something like that, and come and offer it to God to get healed from their cancer. They give, bring a, a, a jewelry like the, made like the eyes, if they have some disease in the eyes and stuff like that, and offer it to God and worship that God and do certain things fast and do things in order to get healed and so on. So they are saying, you come and worship our God and our God will do this for you. Our God will give you the desires of your heart. If you delight in our God, our God will give you the desires of our heart. That's what they are saying. Now in Christianity, are we saying basically the same thing? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of our heart. Are we just competing with them on that level? Are we just standing there in the middle of all those religions and saying, hey, you guys are saying, come to our God and our God will give you the desires of your heart. But you come to Jesus Christ, he will give you the desires of your heart. If you delight in him, he will give you the desires of your heart. Are we simply competing with them on that level? I began to think about this. How do I tell these people the truth? I began to think about it. And I began to read about it. And I kept reading and I came across a translation, a guy who's very good in the Hebrew language, and he's translating and commenting on it. And he says, read it like this, he says, delight yourself also in the Lord. He will give you the desires. Full stop, period. If you read it as he will give you the desires of your heart, it makes it look like he will give you whatever you ask. But he says, don't read it like that. Read it as, he'll give you the desires. Now that's a whole different ball game. If you ask me, if God was God who just gave whatever I asked for, I would not 
have really lived a fruitful life. I'm 65 years old today. I would not have, I, I've lived a very fruitful life. When I think back, I'm thankful to God that God touched my lives, my life, and made it fruitful. I have nothing to regret. You know, if my life was over today, I would have done something already uh, that, uh, that, that I'm very satisfied, that I've not wasted any years and, and days, and I've done something very fruitful to God, uh, uh, fruitful in the, in the work of God, and accomplished His goals and purposes and His will for my life. I believe that. I'm thankful to God for that. But the thing is this, God does not just give the desires of our heart. If I approached it like that and I went with my desires and asked God, I would not be what I am today. Because my desires, if I remember right, when I was 25 years old, my desires was on a totally different level. If I could just get a job, get something to pay my rent and eat my food and get a little car and, you know, have my basic necessities, I would have been thousand times thankful to God. I would think that is itself a great achievement, that I am feeding myself, I am clothing myself, I am taking care of my wife and children. That will be the utmost achievement for me. I'd be thankful to God. But today, I am preaching the word of God. I'm a blessing to thousands upon thousands of people in that land because that is God's desire. See, there is a difference between my desire and God's desire. If God gives me the desires of my heart, I would have become a failure. I would have just been able to feed me, take care of me, my family, and I would have thought that's a great achievement. I would have failed in life, literally. Because I believed in this way, I was able to realize that God not, does not, our God is different. He is not a God who just gives me what I desire. He gives me the desires. Hello. <laughs> he gives me the desires. And then he gives me what I desire. I want to explain this to you. He gives me the desires, then gives, see, the, this is very important. He gives me the desires because he's a living God. He doesn't, he's not an idol. He's not just sitting there and just, you know, just letting me have my wish. No. He wants to get into my life. He wants to operate in my life. He wants to get into my thinking. He wants to direct me and lead me and guide me to the destiny, to the destination which he has got for me. He's not some idol that you just go to and you just wish something and he just says, okay, have it, you know. No. He's an interactive God. <laughs> he wants to get into my mind, renew my mind, change my thinking, elevate my thinking, elevate my level, literally. Make me think on a new level, rise to a new level that I thought was never possible. Come to a new position that I never imagined was possible. Because God originally made man to be on the top and not at the bottom. That is why God said to 
the people of Israel, when he blessed them, he said, through Moses, he is speaking to them, he says, the Lord shall open unto you his good treasure and pour rain in due season. Therefore, you will not borrow, but you will lend to many nations. You will not be beneath, you shall be above only. Read your Bible. You sh your place is on the top only. Never anywhere below the top. He wants you to be on the top only. You will never be beneath, you will be above only. But we settle down anywhere between the bottom to middle, you know. We're just ready to settle anywhere and think, well, this is, this is what God has for. No, God wants you, your thinking to be changed, your whole approach to life to be changed, your values to be changed, your faith to be changed, your belief to be changed, your expectations to be changed, and your performance to be changed in every area of your life. So that you may rise to become the child of God, to glorify him in every way in this world. How many of you believe that? I believe that, you know. I, I preach it to people that are down and out and poor and don't, don't have anything. I say, hey, I'm talking about not an idol that you come to the temple and worship and throw some flowers and you just wish something and beat yourself and say, I'm sorry. And, and he accepts your sorry and just gives you whatever you desire. No, no, I'm not preaching about that. I'm talking about a God who is love. God who loves you, God who reaches out to you, God who's alive, God who's a person, God who thinks, God who's got a plan, God who's got a purpose, God who's got a future. Hello, <laughs> are you there? God who's got a grand future planned for you. He's got something for you. If you read Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, it says, let me just read it to you, maybe you, you, you never thought about it in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 begins with that verse that I just quoted a little while ago. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, right? And then goes on in verse 4 says, But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherein, with, wherein he loved us. Yeah. He quickened us together with Christ and so on. It talks about how we were dead in sins and how Jesus saved us. And then in verse 8 it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. And then, look at verse 10, amazing verse. It says, For you are his workmanship. That means he made you. You are his creation. You are his workmanship. And then he says, Created in Christ Jesus. So it's not talking about just the way that you're made, you know, as a person. It's talking about the new creation. It's talking about your new birth in Christ. When he took you from your sins and turned you around, cleansed you, washed you, and made you whole, and made you a new person, he designed you in a certain way. And look at this. For you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. When God chose you and saved you and made you a new creation, he did that so that you may do some good works. 
you may do some things wonderful good things which god has ordained that we should walk in them if you read the other translations it will say which god has foreordained which god has before the world began planned and purposed for you did you know that before the world began god designed your salvation appointed a savior in and through jesus christ and chose you for salvation and chose the good works that you must do that's what it's saying you are created in christ jesus unto the good works which good works you are destined to do these good works were designed and planned and purposed even before the world began <laughs> oh my goodness i just hardly can believe it i feel like i can just fly now <laughs> so it's very easy to sit in Huey town alabama and think hell i'm in a little corner somewhere you know i don't matter to god but i want to tell you man if you're in christ god has purposed and planned the works the things that you should be doing god has planned and purposed and got all those things made ready he has made those things those good works that you are supposed to do ready and then only he came and saved you so that you can come and do those good works he made the works ready he got the plan ready then he gave birth to you made you a new creation and brought you in so that you can do it how many of you are glad that that's the way it happens <laughs> god is a tremendous planner you know in india if you want to get into good schools very difficult because everything is very difficult there to get into a college is very difficult you want to study engineering or something or medicine or something 20000 people apply for 200 seats that's the that's the kind of competition you have so you got to you got to have the money you got to have the influence and you got to have the grades and you got to have a lot of things you know even to just join kindergarten in a high nice school is so difficult and there are people i know parents young parents that go and give the donation to the school something like 10000 dollars they'll just give to the school and uh, book the seat for a child who's not yet born they have not even had a child they are paying 10000 dollars saying keep a seat ready for my child when i want it <laughs> and this is not just one or two people doing it. there are so many hundreds of people doing it in a city like ours if you want to go to the top schools you know that's the way it is i'm amazed at the way people plan for their children in india they plan for their children like elaborately you know what they should become and they put away the money and they'll do things and so on and i tell you my god our god that we believe in is a million times better than those parents <laughs> if ordinary heathen parents in the world that you don't even know god that worship idols can so love their children and plan their future how much more our god who is love embodiment of love plans for us 
So don't you feel left out. Don't you feel like you're unimportant. Don't you ever feel like you don't matter. Don't let anybody tell you that you do not matter before God. Don't you ever think like that. God loves you beyond anything that you could ever imagine. I, in fact, I feel that it's my responsibility in my church to every Sunday take the word of God and convey this news. You know. This morning I was here, this uh, last night when I was traveling here, already it is Sunday morning there. Our church service starts, the first service starts at 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> 6 in the morning, four services. First service starts at 6 in the morning. I heard my son preach. He's preaching this, this kind of thing. Our job is mainly to tell the people, hey, this God is not like any God you've seen in the whole world. There is no God like this God. He is love. There, did you know there is no religion in the whole world that says God is love? Only in Christianity you hear that. Hindus say God is power. God is a force. God is this and that, but not God is love. The fact that God is love means he's a person. He feels, he thinks, he plans, he designs your future and so on. And it is our God-given job every Sunday as I stand before these thousands of people that will come. In the four services, more than 10,000 people attend every Sunday. And it's my job all the time to tell them the message is the same, but we preach it from different verses. That's all. I told them it's the same message. The gospel is just one. That there is a living God that loves you. And decided to save you. He has appointed a savior. He's got a future for you. And you need to come to him. He's come looking for you. This is our message. And when you get a hold of him, when you believe in him and trust in him and delight in him he will guide you you know how by giving you desires so our god is not who not someone who gives you what you desire if he gave you what you desired you'll be desiring so little <laughs> all of us that's the problem you ask people to pray in our country i don't know about here in our country our people are very modest they don't want anything big, you know. They say, God, I don't want too much. That's the way they'll pray. I don't want too much, oh God. I just need a house that's 600 square feet. Just one room, little kitchen, and a little bathroom for me. And a little job that I could take care of myself. That's the way they'll pray. Their needs are very small. They think it's wrong to even think big. Wrong to even expect anything big. They're very modest and very meager in their thinking. So if you let them ask God and God give whatever they ask, it'll be utter disaster. In Christianity, the wonderful thing is, God decides what I should have. <laughs> God says, I will give you the desires. And you then make those desires your prayers. Then I will give you the desires of the heart. First he gives you desires, then he gives you the desires of your heart. Desires. When I was 10 years old, I was in a meeting in my aunt's house. They were having a little church in the house church. 
There was a man from South Africa, a guy who spoke our language, Indian guy who was born and raised in South Africa, excellent musician and singer, came and sang there, a beautiful song in our language. And I was 10 years old, nobody played music in our home, no, nobody sang. And I was just sitting there, and as he sang that song, something came over me. And every fiber of my being said, I must play like that. I was, he was playing a piano accordion. I must play like that and sing like that. The desire burning within me. I went home, I could not contain, I could not wait. I took the little bag that my mother used to take to the market, you know, the plastic bag, and I used to act like I was playing the piano accordion and gather the kids around and sing and act like him. My parents thought this is a kind of a thing that happens to a kid who goes and sees something fantastic, it'll pass away in a few days. But it never passed away after two years. It was still getting stronger. It's a desire that God was putting in my heart. One day my father came back from work. He was working and doing ministry in those days. He came back from work, brought his salary. His salary was not very much those days. He saw an advertisement that morning in the newspaper about a second-hand accordion that was for sale. It cost more than what his salary was, so he withdrew all the money from the bank, took everything that he had, and gathered enough money to buy that little accordion, and came and took me in his bicycle and uh, bought me that accordion. And on the way back home, we stopped somewhere and arranged for learning the accordion in a place. I was in a hurry. I wanted to learn it, wanted to play it, desire. I'm telling you, when God wants to take you in a particular direction, he gives you a desire. Watch your desires. Watch your desires. If you're a child of God, watch your desires. God puts desires, respected desires. See, in some circles in Christianity in India, you know, some of our Christians have carried on the Hindu ideals into Christianity. Now, the Hindus, they forsake everything, marriage and everything, go to the woods and stay in the mountains and live with the animals and, you know, get away from people and so on, so they can become holy men. That's the way they believe. So some Christian preachers have become like that in India. <laughs> they leave town, go live, you know, somewhere, don't even marry and give up everything and, you know, sit on a bed of nails or something like that. You know, that, that's, that's, that kind of approach. They preach against desires. They say, you, if you are a true Christian, you must not have any desires. Desires are wrong. Now, I understand there are wrong desires. But to say that desires are wrong is wrong. Not every desire is wrong. God, I believe, gives us, imparts to us, holy desires. Good desires. Desires that lead us to a new destiny into the will of God and the plan of God and the purpose of God. That's the way God leads. I'm telling you, young people particularly, look at your desires. See what you're good at. How the heart is leading you. What your desires are like. What do you, what do you have the passion for? God is working in your heart. If you pray, if you give yourself to God, this kind of thing will happen in your life. God is not going to shout from heaven and say, Sam, listen, thus said the Lord. No, no, he's not going to do that. Very often he doesn't do that, you know. Very rarely he may do that. I'm not saying he won't do that. I'm saying most of the time he leads you through your heart. 
your heart is given to you by God as a device that is capable of listening to God's voice from heaven and respond to it. Heart is something very special. That is why the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Your life, your future, your destiny comes out of your heart. That is why you must not allow your heart to become defiled by sin. You must not allow your heart to go in the wrong directions. That is why you must not allow your heart to loiter into things that are not pleasing to God. That is why you must focus your heart in God. Focus your heart into loving God. Worshipping God. Devote your heart to the Lord. Sanctify your heart, the Bible says. Make it a holy thing so that it will work proper. It will be a wonderful guide for you that when God speaks, you can discern and you can know the voice of God through your heart. Hello, are you there? Yeah. Am I getting across? Yeah. Sometimes I doubt when I come, when I cross North Carolina and come into South Carolina, Georgia and Alabama. I don't know whether they understand me or not, you know. I went to Bible college, I remember I had classes the first day back in 73 I came here to go to Bible college and I understood everything I studied in English schools in India so I understood English well so I had no problem but then I came into a class and there was a new teacher that had come from Georgia and his name is Jerry Wilkins a wonderful guy we became very good, close friends later on he came into the class and he said my name is Jerry Wilkins I'm from Georgia and after that I could not understand one word he said I thought, what is this guy talking, you know? Is it English or what? <laughs> he gave out some handout and he was explaining what is expected of us and I could not get what he says. I got scared if I'm going to make it in that class. <laughs> but he's such a wonderful person. So I sometimes wonder if you guys understand me or not. Are you there? <laughs> Are you getting it? I'm telling you. I'm telling you that our God, there is no God like him, is a God of love. And when you know this God, you will be changed because he lives with you. He walks with you. He talks with you. He guides you. He leads you. You will hear his word. You will see his purposes, his design. You will see his mind. He's a person. He will impart to you his thinking. And it's wonderful. That is what Christian life is all about. It's not a following a religion. It's something wonderful. He gives you the desires. Everybody say, God gives me desires. So you got to watch your desires. Then once you got the desires, then those desires become your prayer. Those desires become your prayer. Now in India, some Hindu gurus, you know, they'll go and live in the woods, in the forest. They never even see people. They say, I ask them, what do you do? They say, well, we are meditating all day, we are praying. So what do you pray? Because you are not supposed to have any desires. So if you don't have any desires, I tell them you don't have any prayer. If you don't have a desire, then you don't have a prayer. Because the Bible says, what things, uh, it says, you know, in that Mark eleven twenty three, it says, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, 
be thou removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in your heart, but believe that whatever he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he says. And then it says, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So when you pray, what you're doing is basically you're speaking your desires. You cannot pray without desires. <laughs> I prayed for my church that it should grow, it should prosper, it should be a blessing to the community, to the land. I had desire, I had a heart full of desires. And my prayer time was filled with pouring out that desire to God. I prayed for my children that they should turn out well. I have a desire as a father. I prayed my desires. How can you pray without desires? What things ever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Right? So your desire is very important. God gives you desires. When you walk with God, when you delight in God, when you have a relationship with God, you walk hand in hand with Him, somehow... He imparts his desire into you. See, he, want, he led me into the ministry through music, you know. I began to sing and I began to play music and that's how I got in. I began to sing for other evangelists and preachers and, and, and do worship and, and so on. That led me into ministry slowly. Then God gave me a desire to learn preaching, you know. I remember the first summer I was here, I stayed in a home in Missouri. A young guy took me there to his grandma's home. It was an 85 acre farm. We had nothing to do there. Just sit and watch prices right with grandma all day. You know, it's difficult, you know. So I started looking around for something to do and I found that this guy was living in California a few years before that and, and had bought a series of teaching by a great seminary professor on the book of Romans, you know, verse by verse exposition on the book of Romans that he did in a church. And he has stored it up there in the spool tapes, you know, in those days. Long before the cassette tape period. <laughs> so I took it out and there was a spool tape recorder there. And I started playing it. Romans chapter 1. And I started hearing it. I, I got so engrossed in it. I've never heard Christian teaching like that. I've been to one year Bible college. But that one year messed me up, you know. <laughs> the guys that have been to one year Bible college, watch out. They're dangerous. <laughs> They got more doubts than beliefs. <laughs> so I had a thousand questions. I didn't know why I'm in the ministry, whether I'm going to even pan out well or what, you know. I couldn't tell what's going to happen to me. I was scared of life and future and everything. And I sat down and heard the book of Romans, the greatest book in the New Testament, Paul's teaching. Verse by verse, this guy is an expert commentator, just exposing, uh, giving an exposition of that book. And he came down to Romans chapter 1 verse 16 where it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to all them that believe. To the Jews first and then to the Greek. Right? And he's talking about why the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Talking about how the, he's not ashamed of the gospel. Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. I was ashamed. I was afraid, you know, whether I'll be a good preacher I was ashamed to even say that I was a preacher and a believer in Christ. And, and here I was in the Bible college. I had so many doubts about the Bible. And here Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. 
And I heard this guy, why Paul is not ashamed? <coughs> I heard that message three times. Same day. Evening we went to, for the first time I went with my friend. He had met some lady in town. He had gone into town, met somebody. They invited us to a prayer meeting because we were new to that. It was his grandmother's native place. And uh, they invited us because we were new and in that little town of 5,000 people. They wanted us to meet some Christians. And lo and behold, it happened to be a ladies' meeting. And two guys ended up there. I was just 21 years old. You know, we ended up there. There was this lady who's a widow that owned that house. And a very uh, brisk lady, you know, just walking up and down here and there and very quick. And she came to me and she said, Sam, glad to have you. What I'm going to do today is you're going to preach, she said. And I had never preached in my life. Not even once have I preached in my life. I can sing, but not preach. Never preached in my life. And here I've been hearing the 16 verses. I had to hear like 50 tapes to get through 16 verses. That guy is teaching, you know, one verse, he'll take two, three, two, three tapes to get through one verse, two, three sermons. That's how long it was. And here I've heard, engrossed myself with Romans and engrossed that day with, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. When she said, you preach, she didn't even give me the time to respond, to say, lady, I've never preached. Find someone else. She just said and went into the kitchen, came back and said, hey, we're glad to have Sam. Sam is going to share the word of God and then we're going to pray. I got up, opened my Bible, don't know where to open, what to preach. And my Bible opened to Romans 1.16. Because I had it opened there all day. It opened naturally to Romans 1. And I read verse 16 and I preached exactly what that guy preached for one hour. In 10 minutes. After 10 minutes I was through. I said everything the guy said in 10 minutes. God saved me that day. When I began, there was a guy that walked into the door, a middle-aged man. I didn't know who he was because he came to drop his wife to the ladies' meeting. He saw a strange-looking guy preaching there. In that little town, they'd never seen an Indian in those days, back in 74. So, and he saw these two guys sitting there and he said, why are men here? I'll go and sit also. So he walked in and he sat through my preaching. He came in the beginning and sat through my preaching. At the end, he came and shook my hands. He said, Sam... If I invite you to come and preach, will you do that? Come and preach. I just shook my head and he said, give me the number where you stay. I said, I gave grandma's number, you know. And you are not going to believe this. In two months summer holiday, he had me booked in 40 different churches to preach. All, this guy is a leading charismatic believer belonging to the Baptist church there. And any Baptist, Methodist, anybody, he's the head of Gideon's, he's the head of full gospel business, he's the head of everything, you know. Anybody that he called up and told them, I'm bringing somebody, you let him preach, they'll say yes. So he'll call up all these big churches, First Methodist in Springfield, Missouri, and First Baptist, and like that, and, and tell them, hey, you need to hear this guy, you know, this is so, and I have never even preached. The way he called up, I felt like I was going to run, you know. So I started studying more seriously. <laughs> and I preached, by the time the summer was over, I preached in 40 different places. 
See, God not only gives you desires, he has a way to bring those desires to pass. See, that is why. See, that is why I read to you the next verse. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you the desires. Then that desires become your prayers, the desires of your heart. And the next verse says, commit yourself also to the Lord. See, verse 3 begins with trust in the Lord. Verse 4 begins with delight in the Lord. Verse 5 begins with commit yourself to the Lord and he will bring it to pass. Hello. <laughs> now when God gives you desires, I found one thing, my friend, in my life, that when God gives you desires, it will blow your mind because those desires are always bigger than what you have ever imagined about yourself. When God gave me the desire for ministry and showed me a little bit of what I was going to do, I felt like, God, I'm not even worthy to do these things. Can you, can't you find somebody better? More qualified, better, more holier, eh? nicer guy. There must be surely a lot of people out there. Why are you choosing me? Why do you want me? I can't do these things. I'm not capable of these things. I felt like I'm unworthy and I can't do it. And I'm incapable of doing it and achieving it. You feel like hopeless. You say, how am I ever going to do that? Is it going to happen? Is this what God wanting me, wanting from my life? How can I do it? And when you commit yourself to the Lord, you, all you have to do is, He has given you desires. You begin to pray those desires. And you commit yourself to the Lord. He said, Lord, I'll stay with you. All right. I don't know how am I going to do it. How I'm going to do it. I don't know where you're going to take me. I don't know what you're going to do with me. In Bible college, I remember, one guy came and preached you know, said, don't ever pray saying, Lord, I'll go wherever you, go, you send me. Because he might send you to Somalia, you know. Something like that. Because at that time in Somalia, there was a lot of hunger and all that. We were all scared of Somalia, you know. He said, don't ever pray, Lord, I'll go wherever you call me. Because he might call you to Somalia. So I never prayed that prayer. <laughs> but God called me to India. And India was a poor country at that time, you know. Not anymore. It was a very poor country 30 years ago, 35 years ago. It was a poor country. Things were very bad. I never wanted to go back to India. I've become an American by all means, you know. By the time I'd lived here 10 years and uh, we came to study here and you don't feel like going back, you know. After enjoying all the hamburger and hot dog here, you don't ever want to turn back and go back, you know. And I was all settled here and I was pastoring a church in North Carolina, an American church in North Carolina, which I took up with only 25 people. We had 200 people in one year. I'm just finding out that I am called to be a pastor. I did not want to be a pastor. I thought that was God's punishment to those he didn't like, you know. <laughs> and then I found out that this is exactly what God wants me to do. I had 200 people in no time, you know. God is showing me this is what I called you to do. And then he showed me, do it in India. And boy, I didn't think it was a good idea, you know. I remember that statement from the guy in Bible college, don't pray. And I said, God, I never even prayed. 
saying, I'll go wherever you send me. <laughs> but that's what God had for me, and God took me there. And I thought, what is going to happen to me? I'm going to fall prey to all kinds of evil things, you know, there. But I tell you, in that God, in that land, God blessed me and prospered me and made me a blessing to thousands upon thousands of people. Today we are on television all over that country and all over the Arab countries, all over Sri Lanka and uh, everywhere we preach the gospel on internet and television and so many, uh, even in Facebook you will see our services, all services live. We have one English service, totally in English. I preach in English to an English audience and three services in Tamil. Then we have a Bible study that's bilingual with translation. All of them are put on YouTube and Facebook uh, there. And uh, people from all over the world watch. And God, from that land that nobody thought is going to become like what it has become, God has raised us up in our church and used us mightily for his glory. I believe in verse 5 of Psalm 37. I believe in verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. I believe it. I believe that God gives desires. That's where life starts. When you have desires from God, that's where you start. Then you start becoming a praying person because, you know, now you have desires and you pray. And you wonder how these desires are going to come to pass. Commit yourself to the Lord. Stay put and go keep following the Lord and go where he tells you to go. Do what he tells you to do. Stay in the position that God placed you and do your work faithfully. Commit yourself to the Lord. Don't waver this way or that way. And he, everybody say he, <laughs> he will bring it to pass. In, in 35 years, I've seen amazing things. God brought it to pass. Now we've bought 15 acres of land. You know, land is more expensive in uh, India than in America. In America, you can buy land easily. There, it's much harder to buy land. And I was able to buy 15 acres of land. Amazing. Costing millions, literally. We were able to buy. And we're going to build a church there. And build a Bible college there. Somebody said, how are you going to do that? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. How do you do that? I said, well, I have a desire. It's from God. And I've been praying about it. And I commit myself to the Lord. I'm not running anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying on track. I'm with God. And God will bring it to pass. One day I will return. I will come back. And I will tell you we built it. Because commit your ways to the Lord and he will bring it to pass. And God is not partial to me or to just some very special preachers or something like that. God loves you the same way he loves me. And God has, the, has a purpose for your life just the same way he has a purpose for my life. It may be different, but it is different. But it is God. And God can make you a blessing to so many. Make your life so fruitful, so blessed, so prosperous, and so successful that you will have no regrets. That one day when you close your eyes in the end, when you die, 
that will be the glorious day because you are saying, well, I've done everything. I've, I've kept my faith, run my race, completed my course, you know. It will be a glorious day. That's the way to live the life. So you're not living it alone. You're living it with God. God is walking with you. How many of you believe that? <laughs> God is walking with you. You don't, you don't have to have a, hear a voice from heaven or, you know, have somebody come and prophesy to you and say, God is with you. No, no, you don't need that. I'm telling you, God is with you. God is walking with you. You walk with God. You trust in God. You delight in the Lord every day. You commit yourself in the Lord. Everybody say, trust in the Lord. Enjoy God. Delight in God. And commit your ways to the Lord. He'll bring it to pass. Trust, delight, and commit. You'll get to the place where God wants you to be. And God will make you a blessing to the world in this lifetime. Amen? Amen. Shall we pray? <laughs> I don't know if I finished in right time or not. Okay. All right. We're right on time, I think, right? <laughs> okay. I forgot to ask Pastor Mark, how long can I preach, you know? All right. Let's uh, pray. And I'll speak this evening also in a very, on a very important subject this evening. That's going to be a blessing to you, I'm telling you. It'll be something wonderful. And uh, I believe that God has something for us for the evening also. Let's just stand up together, please. You and I are in a relationship with God. You don't have to have any kind of assurance that God is with you and walking with you. God is in your life. You know, I've never been to heaven, never been to hell, never heard a voice from heaven, <laughs> all that. But I have God's presence with me. I felt God's presence with me. And I know that God is walking with me. All those experiences are fine. But those experiences, not everybody has. You know, if you're just trusting those experiences, you know, then you'll be disappointed if you don't have that experience. But if you're trusting in God, you'll never be disappointed. He will guide you. Let me pray for you. God has a destiny for you, a future for you, a plan and purpose for you. And he will bring it to pass. Just learn to walk with him, trust him, commit yourself, delight in him, enjoy God, live close to him. God is going to do something great in your life. Loving Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come. Thank you, Father, for these dear people that I was able to minister to today by your help. Father, I believe that the Spirit of God spoke through me to these dear people, oh God. And I know that we as people in this world, in this world of sin and fall and imperfection, we have so many needs, so many problems. In so many ways, this world and the life in this world is messed up. And sometimes we are in disarray, we are in chaos and confusion. But we have you with us on the boat. 
the boat will never capsize, we will get across the shore, you will still every storm, every wind, and you will keep the waves down, you are able, more than able, to carry us through this life and guide us and do everything for us. And we commit ourselves to you, Lord. And I pray that the words spoken today will minister to people today, that they will go home rejoicing, trusting in God, delighting in God every day, walking with God, and see God's purposes come to pass. And I pray that you'll fill their hearts with desires, with desires, your holy desires about the destiny that you have for them, and guide them and lead them into the path of your will, so that every single person here will never go to waste. They will all accomplish God's will and God's purpose and plan in their life. Your will is available and is made known to each person. And I pray that they will be led and guided by you and brought into the glorious destiny that you have for them. We pray a blessing upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you folks. Thank you. Amen.